Hello and welcome to Talks Like Sports. This is the first episode of our weekly show, what we're going to be doing, just previewing uh, the Premier League, Champions League, whatever's just happened in the world of football. And today I'm joined with Craig from Anfield Agenda. How are you doing, Matt? I'm brilliant, thank you, buddy. How are you? Yeah, I'm absolutely spot on. It's a pleasure having you on. Uh, and before we get into talking about the upcoming Premier League season, I'd like to talk to you about why you started Anfield Agenda. Yeah, it's a bit of a long story, so bear with me when I go I through it. Um, <laughs> I started out in a podcast, actually. Um, even going back further than that, I started out writing articles. Um, I kind of hid behind a, a fake user account name because I didn't want my name to be on public. So I wrote articles for um, Anfield Index at the time. And they were received okay. Now, I've no journalism background or anything like that. I'm just a fan. So I was very nervous, and they received okay, and the opinions came across okay. So... That led me into being able to do a podcast with Anfield Index, which was called their Writers Podcast, which we, we spoke about articles that were written that week and talked about them. And that gave me the confidence, I suppose, to just want to start my own podcast. Um, podcasts are great. What you're doing, I think, is much better because you've got the video aspect to it. But when I was doing it, it was audio only. So you recorded your podcast, you threw it out there into the world on iTunes, and you hoped for the best. But yeah. you, know, you got your statistics, but you didn't get any immediate feedback. So Connor, the guy who runs the channel with me, suggested that we take it over to YouTube. So we went over to YouTube, and it just felt much more natural to me being able to interact with people live. We do everything live. So yeah. being able to interact with people in real time, you could see what was working, what wasn't working, and what people enjoyed and what they didn't. So that's pretty much the background to the channel. And we've been going about two, two and a half years, and we're just heading towards 45,000 subscribers, which is brilliant over the moon with that. So, I mean, obviously you're from Ireland, but why was like why have you been drawn to Liverpool? Why have I'd you... love to say it was I'd love to say it was because of a big brother or a father or a family, but it wasn't. It was um, my dad was never really that big into football. Uh, I've told this story on our channel a few times. It's a bit weird. The game that actually made me fall in love with Liverpool was the 2-0 loss to Arsenal that won them the first division title at Anfield where they had to come and beat us 2-0 to win it. And they did. And that was the first game that I watched. I was seven or eight years of age. And I fell in love with the club. And it was a loss that did it, which <laughs> is it still baffles me to this day, to be honest. But yeah, there's no big family connection or anything like that. I'm an only child, so nobody steered me in the direction of Liverpool. It was, uh, I think, also, there's a bit of history between Liverpool and Ireland, obviously, yeah, with, with regards to immigration and stuff like that. So yeah, it just felt like a club that the values of the club and, and the fans seem to be really knowledgeable. And I think I made the right choice to put it that way. When I was younger, I'm happy with where we are. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, for me, uh, when I was young, my dad was a massive Liverpool supporter. So obviously, he's been watching Liverpool, got me into it. And uh, One of the first games I remember, I was only six years old at the time, and it was Liverpool AC Milan 2005. Because I remember 3-0 down at half-time. And I remember going up, up to bed. I thought, it's done, it's finished. I'm only young, quite late, go to bed. And um, all of a sudden, I hear my dad downstairs screaming and shouting. So I run down, what's happening, what's happening? We've scored. And I remember when um, the third goal goes in, Xavi Alonso. And uh, my dad threw me up and I nearly hit the ceiling. <laughs> and then, uh, ever since then, my love for Liverpool has just been undeniable. It's been incredible. That was, a, that was a, an incredible game, to be fair. I mean... I was lucky enough to be there, so I had that aspect of it. Um, 
it was just it was sensational i mean i didn't think it would ever be topped but i would actually argue that the barcelona game at anfield may have actually topped it um i suppose other liverpool fans would, would beg to differ and i wasn't at the barcelona game so i didn't have the experience of being there live but we did cover it on the youtube channel and I'll never forget that night either. Um, yeah, but I mean, if you're going to fall in love with Liverpool, Istanbul is probably a good way of, of doing it. Like, what a night that yeah. was. It's weird because somebody in my age, I think in 2005, is relatively recent. So mm. I have to forget a lot of the time I remember like that I'm talking to younger people like yourself who weren't around in the late 80s, early 90s. So yeah, it's a pretty good one. And, and that AC Milan side was ridiculous. I mean, oh, it was yeah. just a who's who of world-class footballers. It was crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, Liverpool had no right to win that game, especially with 3-0 down. And I think that sort of underdog feeling and then going on and winning it, that's kind of what drew me to them. And obviously, obviously sorry, ever since then, I never really got the uh, the highs of being a Liverpool fan. Like, when my dad, I mean, I'm not going to lie, he was a bit of a glory spot when he started supporting them. You know, it was in the good old days when they were winning back-to-back European titles and... Then I got one Champions League in two years. We've just been waiting for the Premier League and it finally came. I don't know how you felt when the Premier League finally came, but it was quite an emotional time for me. 21 years and finally happened. Yeah, it was It was a strange one because usually when Liverpool go about doing things like AC Milan in 2005 and the Barcelona game, it's dramatic. It's it's a, there's a big final end and a big crescendo, but we kind of walked the league, and it was a, yeah, I don't yeah. say anticlimactic. The celebrations were amazing, but it was very strange to win it by 18 points and then you know have the end of the season that we had where everything was secured. And what really actually caught me this season was not being part of that little knockout Champions League tournament that took place, um, because obviously we got knocked out by Atleti. But yeah, that that felt bad. I felt like we should have been there watching Thiago for. Bayern Munich and Leon and, and Leipzig and stuff. It just felt like we should have been part of that. So it was almost an anticlimactic end to the season of what was probably the biggest season in 30 years, as you said, finally getting a Premier League title. Yeah, it was. Um, it's one of those. It's It was a weird feeling because before lockdown, it was kind of like, they've done it. But is, it, is the league going to continue? Is it going to be null and void? You know, you had all the Man City fans. And, and then obviously we had the... Did win it, and then Cal Walker coming out. If we win the FA Cup and the Champions League, it's bigger than Liverpool winning the league. And obviously, they got knocked out of both competitions. <laughs> yeah, they're never going to win the Champions League. I'm, I've been. If it ever does happen, I might as well pack up the YouTube channel because I've been I've been singing off that hymn sheet for quite a while now, saying they're not going to win it. I was nervous this year. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I was a little bit, but you know, they, they fell back into their own ways. Uh, but what have you made of like some of the transfer business system? Obviously, Liverpool have been incredibly quiet, whereas other teams have all strengthened. What have you made of it? I suppose it's important to take it in context. If you look at the way FSG have run the club since they've come in, and they've been open about this, we have to work within our means. doesn't mean we don't get frustrated. As fans, of course, when you see Roman Abramovich putting his hand in his pocket and giving Frank Lampard 150, 200 million. Manchester City gone out there. I think they've spent about 78, 80 million pounds so far. United linked with Sancho. It is frustrating, but I got a little bit, I don't know if you've seen the BBC Radio 5 Live interview Klopp did earlier on today with, with Kelly Cates. And that was, that was interesting because he said that this is the way we our club runs. I knew this was the way it ran when I came in. We're not run by oligarchs. We're not run by like countries, like for instance, I call it Man City Abu Dhabi FC most of the time when I'm talking about them because they are a state-backed club. Um, so there is that, but 
I can understand the frustration from fans this summer because we had a very quiet summer last year and we went and won the league, which was great. But you can only get away with that, I think, for so long. And it, we need to put some pressure on the front three. That's, that's what bugs me the most because we look at our front three, they can compete with any in the world. They're fantastic. But there is a drop-off to Divock Origi and Takumi Minamino is starting to show what he's capable of. So I can understand the frustration, but it is a strange window as well because of you know the global pandemic that we're all in. Yeah, I feel Liverpool have, since uh, Fenway came in, we've been sell to buy. And um, that, obviously, with us not selling anyone, I know there's rumours of, with Genie, Wijnaldum leaving, we'll be bringing in Thiago, but it is just rumours and speculation. Personally, I would love to see Liverpool go out and spend another 80, 90 million on just one player who will possibly make a difference. But it's difficult when you've just won the league. But um, to it's Alex Ferguson's old saying: when you do win the league, you have to bring in that big name and put the pressure on. And hopefully, we we don't get left behind. What gets me is there's two players that I I'll never understand how we didn't how we didn't go for one Timo Werner. Uh, it just seemed to make sense from every aspect. Right price range. He's more than a fifty million pound footballer. If we're being honest about it, love Liverpool. Wanted to come here. Gets on well with the manager. Fits the right age profile. Everything that you would have expected. But the second one is Christian Pulisic. I'm absolutely baffled as to why. From we touched on the owners, they're American. He's an American superstar. He's the face of American football. Everything seemed to be in place there. Again, the Dortmund connection with Klopp. I can't, they're two players I can't understand why we didn't go in for over recent years. And I think of all the transfers Klopp hasn't pulled the trigger on, we haven't been made to look silly yet. But I think they're two that we could regret going forward. Yeah, well, I mean, with Klopp, though, I feel if he wants someone, he'll go out and get them. I mean, we've seen it with players like Fabinho, where we weren't really heavily linked. And then all of a sudden, there's rumours coming out of Liverpool in San Fabinho and it's confirmed the next day. And just stuff like that, I feel if Klopp really wanted Pulisic or if we went in for Sancho, for example, I think they could come. But I think it's just all to do with wage structure and he doesn't want to disrupt it. Maybe doesn't want to make Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane unhappy. But I don't know. Well, obviously, we don't know what Klopp's thinking. He might think the, the squad is strong enough. What worries me is it's... I, would, I think it's fair to say it's almost common knowledge that he wanted Werner. Um, I've spoken yeah. with, with a couple of journalists, Jan Agafjortov and James Pierce and stuff on our channel, and you know the interest was definitely there. And for whatever reason, he seems to have been told no on Werner. And that could be, as you said, maybe Chelsea were offering him 200 grand a week and we didn't feel like that was good value, particularly when our highest paid player is on around that. And that's a player that's won the European Cup and the Premier League at Liverpool and deserves that wage. So I can kind of understand it from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with all these clubs. They're paying such massive amounts in wages in Liverpool. Like you just said, we're about the 200,000 as our highest end. I think it's Mohamed Salah and I think Virgil van Dijk's just beneath that. And if those two are only on that and then you get players like Alexis Sanchez, for example, on 500k, you know, it's finding the balance. And I think it pays testament to the Liverpool players that they're not asking for monumental amounts of money. They want to play for us yet, and I think that is why we've done been so successful recently. We've certainly punched way above our weight with regards to what we've been doing, and this is where I wonder sometimes if Klopp's nearly been punished for 
how good he's gone about his work at Liverpool. And um, I, I can't think of any other manager that would have been able to come in with the restraints that he has and been able to do what he's done. Now, obviously, Michael Edwards has been second to none as well. And when we talk about net spend and stuff, I think it's really important to point out that we've been fantastic of moving on fringe players. And some of the money we've got for like Ibe, Solanke, players like that, I mean, I've sat back and gone, wow. Well done, Michael Edwards. So we've been very good in that sense as well. Um, and I suppose Klopp wants to work with a relatively tight squad. Um, the real key for me has been to think about the transition from Klopp's first team into Klopp's second team. And by that, I mean his next team. They usually work in four-year cycles. And yeah. you touched on Alex Ferguson. That's something he was fantastic at, was building a second, third and fourth team. And I'm intrigued to see how Klopp bridges the gap between the promising youngsters that we have now, like Brewster, Elliot Jones and yeah. whatnot, to the senior players that we have. That's very interesting to me how he's going to do that because the centre-back situation, Billy Comedio was getting one-on-one training with Klopp over in Austria. Um, and it looks like we could be going into this season with no fourth choice senior centre back and I wonder is that because Klopp has faith in the youngsters coming through or is it because of financial restraints I feel like people always compare Liverpool Man City because they are the two biggest clubs in England right now and everyone says Man City's squad depth is superior which on paper it is and that's why they do so well in the cup competitions but where Liverpool are different is we are promoting youngsters in the cup competitions. I mean, look when we played Everton with that complete second team and actually came out winners. And Klopp has faith in all these young players. I mean, Trent, he's still so young and he's one of the most important players, not just for Liverpool, but in the world. Probably the best fullback in the world at the moment. And this faith, if you're just going out and buying replacements constantly, you're never going to get all these young players coming through. Like, Personally, I would love Ryan Brewster to be a backup this year because I think he could come in and grab maybe 10 goals. And uh, the, the, uh, Man City have got Gabriel Jesus, a 40, 50 million pound backup behind Sergio Aguero. But do you really need it? Because people always say this, but I don't think so. I think if you put faith in the young players, they will prove to be well worth the money. Look what, look what Pep has done at Manchester City with regards to defenders. He basically invented the 50 million pound fullback. He's bought two or three full-backs over 40 million quid. He's been trying to find a centre-back pairing since he's come in. He spent money on John Stones. Nobody agreed John Stones was a 50 million pound centre-back when he bought him. And his hit rate has been quite poor compared to Jurgen Klopp's. And Phil Foden, an undoubted talent, and somebody who, if he was at Liverpool or Manchester United, would have got a look in far sooner than he has at Manchester City. So I do agree with you. And um, we're bringing through youngsters. Even United with Greenwood not are bringing through yeah. youngsters. But Foden looks like he's been a, a standout performer from the youth system at Manchester City for a long time and struggled to get a look in. Yeah, I mean, as an England fan, it's disappointing to see these young talents like Foden obviously not getting the game time to probably warrant. Because if, for example, Foden was at Spurs, he'd be a key man. And there's no denying that. But, well, I don't know, Pep's got his own ways. He'd rather buy the league wherever he goes rather than promote the youth. Yeah, it's tough because he is a very good manager. Nobody could deny that. Yeah. Um, and I always, I suppose, try and play devil's advocate with these and think somebody has to manage the superstars. Do you know what I mean? Somebody has to be out there being able to manage them. And uh, one thing that can't be not mentioned is the fact that he hasn't won 
the Champions League since he left Barcelona. He's been given the money at Bayern Munich. He's been given the money at Manchester City and he hasn't delivered yet. So that's why I have Klopp just above Pep in my uh, ranking of managers because if Klopp had the money Pep had, I don't even want to think what he'd win. I feel like, you know, the sort of top 10 managers in the world, I think all of them could have won the Champions League like Barcelona said, you know, for talking like your Klopp's. You, you were right, probably could have won the Champions League with that Barcelona side, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that Barcelona sounds unreal, but obviously they're in a bit of turmoil at the moment. But uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens in the next year. But uh, if we're talking about the next season, the next Premier League season, where do you see the top four finishing? I don't see any change, really. I think it's going to be between Liverpool and Manchester City. I think Chelsea... Although they've done great business, it's going to take time for those players to gel. Uh, pressure's on Frank Lampard now. It used to be Frank Lampard, the man who was bringing through young players because you know he didn't have a choice. And now he's Frank Lampard, the man who's gone out and spent the guts of £200 million this summer and pressure's going to be on. Um, United, Donny van der Beek's a very good piece of business. I still don't rate Solskjaer as a manager. If they get Jadon Sancho, I think for him it's the wrong move in his career. But uh, I still don't think anybody... He's going to get close to City, City and Liverpool. I think it's going to be those four in the top four and Arsenal, Spurs, Leicester, Wolves maybe fighting it out for the Europa League places. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? I totally agree with you in terms of Liverpool-Man City fighting for the top two. I mean, the Liverpool-Man City game actually falls on the weekend of my birthday. And I was thinking, oh yeah, I'll definitely go to that game when I just remember it clicked. Oh, actually now work because there's still no fans. But... Uh, in terms of top four, I think Man United may be a bit closer to the top two this year. But I don't think they'll challenge for the league just yet. Because like you said, Solskjaer, he may be at the wheel, but I don't think he is the right man to for the long-term project. And then again with Frank Lampard, when he had all the youngsters coming through, there was no pressure at all. Like They could lose the big games and no one would bat an eyelid. But now he's spent monumental amount of money the pressure is on and then yeah if they flop like he'll be sacked uh, I believe anyways uh, he's just invited what? pressure onto himself what do you think about a points total to win the league this year because I was thinking about this and I think it's going to be less I think it's going to be high 80s early 90s because it's getting yeah. more competitive and I can see more teams taking points off each other this season um it's one of them, I mean, it was circulating social media. Leicester won the league with about 75 points, maybe. And when it's been Liverpool-Man City, you're, you're pushing 90 points. And um, I think it'll be the same again. It'll come down to the, the head-to-heads in the top six, or even just the top two again. Because two years ago, when Man City won it, it was due to them beating Liverpool. And uh, obviously... Last- uh, man, I still have nightmares about that ball hitting the post. I yeah. mean, the difference between what happened with uh, Leroy Sane's and his going in and there is not, it still haunts me to this day, I'm not going to lie. No, I want to say I remember that game like it was yesterday because I was absolutely furious. <laughs> but like, what? But again, I do think it'll come down to the heads-heads and um, it'll be, hopefully it'll be Liverpool going back-to-back. But you never know. Never know. Well, I'm weird, you see. 
all the Liverpool fans I've spoken to want us to go out and retain the Premier League title, but I've made no bones about what I love the European Cup. I want okay. Liverpool to go out there and get a European Cup. And I know everyone's going to say, but United have 20, we want to get 20, we want to go past it. Of course they do. But when we speak about the special nights and we talked before we start recording here and we were talking about Barcelona and they're all European nights. They're the ones, even Dortmund in the Europa League, they're yeah. the ones that I think stand out in our memories over the years. And I have a love affair with Liverpool, with Anfield under the lights on a European night. It is just a beauty. I love the managers queuing up constantly. Like you can put Pep in there. You can put uh, the Hoffenheim manager at that time, Julian Nagelsmann. They all say that they're going to rock up to Anfield and the cop won't have an effect on the game and they won't let it get to them when they freeze like rabbits in headlights. And we love it every single time. It's that old uh, saying, is it? The cops suck the ball into the back of net. And it seems to have happened so many times on the European nights. I just feel like even when the coach is just driving through Liverpool and there's all the fans there with the flares, it gets into the players' heads and they just can't, can't hack it, can't deal with it. And um, if we're being honest, when Liverpool played Real Madrid, we should have won that game in the Champions League final if it weren't for a couple of mistakes and uh, an unfortunate injury. But then we showed our class the next year. Obviously, this year against Atletico, it just wasn't to be. But like, I'd love to win Champions League again. I can't see Liverpool fighting for the FA Cup or the Carabao. It's just not in Klopp's nature. But 20th Premier League, uh, Champions League run. I think Bayern Munich will be the team to beat again. I mean, they were unbelievable in those few games. Uh, I mean, Barcelona absolutely embarrassed them. 82. A2! That now, is nuts! And now they've uh, picked up Leroy Sane, who in the past few years has been the only player that has frightened Liverpool, like, scarily. And uh, obviously we've lost games and Saar kind of scored a couple for Watford, but Sane has been the player. When you, Liverpool came up against him, it was like, oh, he's going to do something today. I can't understand how he didn't cut the mustard at Manchester City because, as you said, there's nothing more frightening than you get to 65, 70 minutes in the game, your defence is starting to tire, you look over and Pep Guardiola's getting Leroy Sané ready to come and run at your centre-backs or your full-back. That is, I don't understand how that didn't work out and Bayern have got themselves a very good player. Yeah, definitely, definitely. He is frighteningly quick. I'd have loved him at Liverpool. (laughs) I would have loved him. But, uh, yeah, what, when they signed him from Schalke, I was I was a little bit annoyed that we didn't we weren't in that conversation to be honest because I love a pacey wide forward. <laughs> I absolutely love them, and I would have loved to have seen us go against Bayern this season. I think it would have been a very good season before where we drew nil nil. They got a little bit cocky after drawing nil nil at Anfield, thinking that that bring us back to the Allianz and three one. I think it was on the night, if my memory serves me correct, yeah. and. Uh, that was that was a great performance, and I would have loved to have locked horns with them this season because they have improved under Hans Flick, no doubt about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just look at the players; they all seem to go to Bayern and they just bulk up. I mean, Coutinho, prime example, he just looks fitter and stronger. And actually, that's a have you seen Goretzka? Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> ridiculous. Massive now. <laughs> but uh, going back to Coutinho. I've asked this to a few Liverpool fans and the reaction is, it's always different. So I'd like to get your opinion on, would you have him back? No, absolutely no. not. Um, <laughs> as, a fo- as a footballer, I, I it was a pleasure to watch Philippe Coutinho play for Liverpool. I mean, 
the goal against United in the Europa League as well was particularly fantastic. Um, but I think it got to a point at the end where it was just give the ball to Coutinho and hope something happened. And when he left, the way he left, left a sour taste. Melissa Reddy of The Independent wrote a fantastic article on it at the time. I think she was working for Goal where she spoke about the fact that apart from the stuff that Coutinho's reps were putting out there trying to say there was a bit of friction between himself and Klopp, he went to senior players at the football club and tried to get them to have a word in the manager's ear to help ease that move to Barcelona. And that's gone a little bit too far for me. And I think he knows he made a mistake. And for whatever reason, as of yet, because Koeman could give him another look in at Barcelona, it hasn't worked out. Um, And I do feel a little bit sorry for him because, you know, I don't think he's, he's a horrible lad. I don't think he's a diva. I think he was badly advised and I think he regrets it. But I don't know. I still wouldn't take him back. Um, Yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit cynical about stuff like that. I wouldn't. What about you? Would you have him back? No. No, I feel like I want players at Liverpool who want to play for a badge and want to live and breathe by the club. And if you don't want to play, you can go. Um, it was a good piece of business because look at how we invested the money. Uh, it's obviously turned out very well. Uh, Eight and a half million pound into £140 million. Pound. Like, that is some, some business. Yeah, uh, but I feel Liverpool have always done good business when selling the key assets. Like, I remember Fernando Torres leaving, and he was one of my favourite players ever. But you could kind of see him drop off a little bit towards the end, and um, £50 million when he was well past his prime, even then, was a great piece of business. I think the only one where we possibly dropped the ball was Luis Suarez leaving, but obviously there was all the controversy surrounding him. Which uh, did drop the price, but yeah, now that hurt me the most. Did it? I absolutely, I idolised Luis Suarez. I loved. I don't care if he was a bit of a shit house. I love that about him. I don't care if he was biting Chiellini. I absolutely <laughs> just loved the guy. He played like his life depended on it every minute he was on the pitch. It didn't matter if we were four 0 up or four 0 down. You got a hundred percent week in and week out out of Suarez, even when. There was talk of the Arsenal deal, that £40 million offer, and his head was turned. He still put in performance after performance. And I was lucky enough to be at the game against Norwich where he scored those four goals. And, I mean, he is probably the most gifted footballer I've seen live in a Liverpool shirt. I'm not saying he's the greatest. I mean, Gerrard over a period of time was untouchable for my generation and obviously probably for your dad's Kenny Dalglish before him. But, God, Luis Suarez, some player. He really was. And that did leave a sour taste. And it still hurts to this day because I genuinely think, again, I think he really does love the club now. And he looks back on his time here and he understood that he was idolised by the cop. Whereas at Barcelona, you know... They turn very quickly. Yeah, I find it bizarre how he could have the goal scoring record he does at Barcelona and then just be shunned and turned away. And I just feel like it's the Spanish mentality, isn't it? I mean, look at uh, Gareth Bale. The amount of important goals he scored for that club and then they just turn the back on him because he's not putting in Ronaldo esque performances. Well, he's not Ronaldo. And um, it is just it's the same. Spanish- the same with Hazard. Do you remember? Sorry for cutting across you, by the way. You remember when Hazard, I'm one of these people, if something pops into my head, I have to say it before I forget. Uh, when Hazard signed for Real Madrid and he was, you know, unveiled at the, the Bernabeu and he was doing his keepy uppies, the crowd were singing, we want Mbappe, we want Mbappe. Like, that is the type of spoiled nature you're talking about. Yeah, it's just the Spanish club mentality. They just want everything handed on a silver platter. And uh, unfortunately, it's not worked out for some players when they've gone and a few ex-Liverpool players that have left. But uh, just to go back to Luis Suarez's point, 
he did fight for the club and that's what Liverpool need. I feel like we've not had a player who we can bring off the bench who's going to give 110% and maybe grab a couple of goals who genuinely loves the shirt since Dirk Cout. For me, Dirk Cout was one of them. He never had the ability. He never had the talent, but he, you knew what you were going to get. And that's someone who was going to fight until the 90th minute, 110%. And there's been a few players, I mean, James Miller at the moment, but he's, he's not going to change again when he comes on. Whereas I feel like Dirk Cout, probably the last one for me, anyways. I think, I think Dirk Cout kind of felt like, he, everybody felt like it was their mate on the pitch. So it meant as much to him as it did to you sitting in the stands watching. And yeah, as you said, he wasn't the most gifted player to ever play for the club, but you'd struggle to find one that worked harder every single week. I absolutely agree. He's a great show. What a player Dirk Cowd is. What a man as well. I love the guy. Yeah, yeah. If you could have one player signed for Liverpool, who would it be? I mean, realistically, oh, I'd say Mbappe, but that's not going to happen. Um I'm a bit strange in this one. There's a couple of players over the years that I've, I've wished had slotted in there. Um, I've always admired Marco Verratti as a midfielder, although his injury record isn't the greatest. Um, right now, I like to look at Pat Sundaka. We've been speaking about him a bit on the channel, and obviously he's popped up uh, with a couple of goals against us for Salzburg as well. It's difficult. Uh, probably Haaland. I'd, prob- I'd probably go for Haaland because... Uh, he just looks like a machine. And to be doing what he's doing at his age, uh, and if I was advising him, I would tell him to stay at Dortmund for a couple more years because it's a very good club. He's going to be playing Champions League football. He's going to be challenging for the Bundesliga. But what a career. I mean, when he moves from Dortmund to wherever he moves, I think we're probably going to be talking world record transfer fees. He is. He looks like a phenomenon and as cool as they come as well. I love his attitude to the media, by the way. I love that. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, he says it as he sees it. I love that. <laughs> yeah, he's a good lad. I think if if I could sign anyone, Thomas Muller. For me, he is just the best professional in the game. He just what he does. He's obviously been at the forefront of the the Barca defeat and Brazil Germany, and I just feel like he's the sort of professional that every club needs. He very talented, creates chances, scores important goals, but also just doesn't stop running. I mean, even in the Barcelona game, even when it was six and seven, it was still going. It's like you could just, you know, take a chill, go into fourth gear a bit, but no, he just carries on going. I, I love the man. I actually, um, people was going about Lewandowski, but I, I prefer Thomas Muller to him, even though Lewandowski does score the goals. But, yeah. Muller's one of those players I haven't appreciated throughout his career enough, I have to be honest. I've only started to realise what he does over the past few years. You always see his name popping up on the score sheet when you check up the scores of Bayern, but you're right. And there was a time a couple of seasons ago where he almost moved to United, if you remember, yeah. and, and that would have been quite worrying. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. He is a real real talent but uh, what do you make of the teams that have come up from the championships obviously Liverpool play Leeds best game of the season where do you think uh, Leeds are going to finish this year because obviously they've got quite an okay team got a good manager but for me I think they'll be in that top uh, bottom 15 sort of position I actually did a preview the other day with all Leeds TV about this. The guys were obviously very excited about coming up to the Premier League. And I think the key, you touched on it a second ago, the key for them is the manager. 
I mean, yeah. you were talking about a manager there that Leeds have no right to have, being quite mm-hmm. honest with you. As a championship club, and Leeds are a very big club, obviously a great history throughout the years as well, and they feel like they belong back in the Premier League. Um, they're another team that they're probably greater than their individuals. I mean, they, they pull together as a team yeah. and put in and grind out good performances. And their manager, I mean, I tell this story quite a bit, but I remember reading... Bielsa, I think, I don't know if he was in Chile at this time or where he was, but it was somewhere in South America. And he had a goalkeeper playing for him. And the goalkeeper said that he was instructed by Bielsa to just boot the ball into the cor- towards the corner flag every time he got it, whether it be a goal kick or whether it be out of his hands. And he was getting booed the entire time by his own fans, thinking he was having a mare with his distribution. But Bielsa had realised that that team are awful at turning over possession from throw-ins. And he realised that if they got the ball and turned it over deep inside the opposition's territory, that they do well. They won the game 1-0 from a turnover and a throw-in. And that's the type of detail that you just I love to hear about from a manager. So I think they've done they've spent over 120 million, I think, so far. Um, some good additions. I, I can't see them going back down. I can't see them being in the bottom three anyway. I think mid-table, maybe somewhere yeah. between that 10th and 14th, maybe somewhere around there. Yeah, I've seen people uh, shouting about them having a season similar to Sheffield United, where they may even be pushing European places. I mean, Sheffield United had absolutely no right with that team to be as high as they were, but the ethic and Chris Wilder, for some reason, just had them playing exceptional football. Obviously, they got really unlucky against Liverpool with a Dean Henson blunder in the last minute. But personally, Leeds, mid-table, maybe even bottom 15. But they won't go down. They won't go down. Definitely not. Uh, Looking at the other clubs, I hope West Brom go immediately straight back down to the Championship where they belong. Them and the (laughs) awful smell of Tony Pulis that still (laughs) rings around that club. I don't want them anywhere near the Premier League. I can't stand them. I hate looking at the fixture. I don't like playing them at all. It's always a headache. Um, But I don't know if they will go back down or not. But I hope they do. Fulham's interesting, though. I mean, Fulham went about this season and kind of put all their marbles in the basket of keeping Alexander Mitrovic at the club. And he's fired them back up. I have to say, I was a little bit shocked that Brentford didn't get up. I thought that, you know, they, they shot themselves in the foot in the last two games. But um, I think that Fulham and West Brom are, if I was hedging my bets, I would say that they're candidates for relegation anyway. How about yourself? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, West Brom are just your typical yo-yo club, just keep bouncing up and down Premier League Championship. Um, uh, it's difficult to look past Fulham because... Uh, they're just, again, you're just always going down. And up. I think the other team that will go down is um, Villa. You can see Villa going down. don't think they've done enough. Who did they sign, actually? They signed someone. Is it Ollie Watkins? Oh, yeah, 28 million from, yeah, Brentford. from Brentford. But, again, it's a championship player. You're not proven in the Premier League all, and you're spending that kind of money. It's a risk, and I don't, don't think it'll pay off. I mean, Grealish, he'll be gone sooner rather than later. I mean, for some reason, Villa fans idolised Jack Grealish. And I remember a few years ago when he was desperately pushing for a move to Tottenham. And he stayed, but he didn't want to be there. And for some reason, he's like fan favourite, but it seems all forgotten when he was desperately trying to move. Obviously, being Irish, I have a special point of hatred for Jack Grealish. <laughs> um, I, I, he's a good player. I will say he's a good player. I mean... I don't get why people big up the stat that he's the most foul player in the Premier League. That doesn't really mean anything to me. And Villa were a horrendous watch last season. They were so poor to watch. I mean, 
I'd rather just paint my room than go and watch Aston Villa <laughs> play. So, um, even I mean, I've loved more respect for, for the manager, by the way. Again, like Chris Wilder, somebody who's a local, somebody who's done a very good job to get them where he's gotten them to. And I think the two clubs that were, I'm going backwards a bit here, but the two clubs that were most impacted, I think, by the forced and break were Sheffield United, who looked nailed on for a Europa League place yeah. minimum, and Leicester. Mm. After the football restarted, those two just, especially Leicester, fell off a cliff. Yeah, Brendan Rodgers. I mean, I, I feel Brendan Rodgers got a lot of unnecessary stick when he was the Liverpool boss. He was never going to be a Premier League winning manager and he nearly did it. And I feel like a lot of Liverpool fans were giving him hate, especially towards the end. The way he's, he's out of his depth. And I think going to Leicester has shown that he is a very capable manager. And yeah, it's unfortunate that they did drop off like they did. I, uh, again, I don't see them challenging champion, Champions League this year. One team who I think could possibly challenge this year, I don't I hate to say it, Everton. Everton have done some good business and they've got a unbelievable manager yeah Carlo Ancelotti is is a class act and you know too good for Everton if we're yeah, being yeah. honest about it um, the James Rodriguez one I mean I think they'll uh, soon realise he'll pick up a lot of injuries and mm. um, there's a reason why nobody really wanted to, to touch this guy I mean Real Madrid were trying to get rid of him for as long as I can remember uh, Alan from Napoli is a decent piece of business although as John Gibbons of the Anfira pointed out he does have an awful uh, he smacks of getting a red card in the derby. That, that, that's yeah. there. And Decore is a good piece of business. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you don't want to give the Ev any credit, all right, but Ancelotti knows what he's at and is a very, very, very good manager. So I, I, I don't know. I hope that they're, they're not. <laughs> I mean, the Europa League would be all right because that's about Everton. And seeing yeah. them play Thursday, Sunday football and the annoyance of that would kind of be worthwhile if they were to get European pace, I suppose. But. Yeah, I hope I wish them nothing but anguish, obviously. Yeah, I mean, they'll definitely still lose in the derby, but <laughs> I mean, I, I feel James, he's one of them, he could set the league alight. He could be a phenomenal piece of business. Everyone's seen his ability and his talent, but it's just whether he stays fit and whether he's got a team around him. I mean, Rich Allison is a very good player. They've got some decent players around him, like Andre Gomes. In the mid, I feel like he was he was a gem. By the way, that was one hell of a signing from Barcelona, Gomes. He is a tidy footballer. Yeah, I mean Everton are building something actually quite decent. I mean the one thing that the really do need to sort out is that uh, that keeper there <laughs> with a little small T Rex arms. Get Pickford out because he's crap. I I can't stand Pickford at all. <laughs> like even for England, everyone. Uh, the World Cup was saying how good he was. He's rubbish. His distribution is terrible. He's too small, and <laughs> it's just I just don't like him. Don't like Pickford. I think I think Dean Henderson um, or Nick Nick Pope will probably take that jersey soon if so. Okay, he even gets left in the job. Um, it is difficult. I mean that new stadium that they keep putting out new renders of that they still haven't laid one brick for looks quite nice as well. And I'm not going to lie, if we were to ever have left. Anfield, I would have loved Liverpool to have built a stadium right down. Imagine, I don't know if you've been to Liverpool much, but um, I'm sure that you have. You've got the Echo there, obviously, but the Albert Dock. Can you imagine if, if Liverpool had a stadium just there, right in the city centre? That would have been nice. But um, yeah, look, the ever, the ever, uh, they've got the second best Hammers 
on, on Merseyside after Hammers Milner, obviously. <laughs> they, they sure do. They sure do. I mean, hopefully they end up just capitulating and sure he gets sacked and they end up fighting relegation. That's what I want, but... Imagine sacking Ancelotti. I mean, where do you go after that? Oh. So, who do you turn to uh, if Ancelotti doesn't work? Oh, Steve Bruce. <laughs> Get Steve Bruce. Sam Allardyce. Oh, yeah. I'll, that'd be amazing. From Ancelotti to Allardyce. <laughs> Even bring back David Moyes. That would be fun as well. We could have a lot of fun with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, but to be fair, David Moyes is actually quite decent, Evan. It's just everything that's happened since. Just not being yeah, he did. He did well there. To be fair, from coming up from Preston, but um, the United job was—I don't know why he took that job. To be fair, no, it was out of his depth, definitely. Well, Craig, thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I hope to have you on again. Talk about the Premier League season when it is up and running, and hopefully, when fans are back in stadiums and stuff, we'll both get to go back to the place we love, Anfield. My pleasure, mate. And look, thank you for having me on. I hope the podcast goes well for you. I will, of course, share it and everything when we're live. And if people get a chance and are on YouTube, drop over to the Anfield Agenda channel and, and give us a check. Check out and see what you think. Well, thank yeah, you for having me on. I'm grateful. Definitely do that. Craig, he's doing his live streams most days. Well, I think it's every day, isn't it? And um, um, Most days, about 8.30, we usually try and go live. Yeah, so all the links are in the description. So thank you for watching. Uh, all our new blogs are over on the websites in the description as well. So cheers. Thank you.